Hi, my name is Pete Scazzaro. I want to welcome you today to the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. Very good to be with you. And our title today is Church Culture Revolution. Church Culture Revolution. Actually, this is the end of the uh, series of podcasts I've been doing around the Emotionally Healthy Discipleship book. And this podcast is meant to bring the entire book together. It's actually found, uh, part of what I'm talking about is found towards the end of the book uh, after the final chapter called Implementing EH Discipleship. In some ways, the whole purpose of me writing Emotionally Discipleship when I began was was a church culture revolution. But for that to happen, it's got to be laid out theologically. Uh, and my aim was to lay out a biblical framework for a radically un- different church culture uh, that would transcend a nation, ethnicity, uh, race, social class, and any historical realities that we might find ourselves in, such as COVID-19 or upheavals of war or any massive economic cultural shifts going on in the world. And so we've been talking about uh, the various marks of emotionally healthy discipleship, or really I'll call it a discipleship that deeply changes lives. Be Before You Do was one of the podcasts. Then we talked about follow the crucified, not the Americanized Jesus, and then embrace God's gift of limits, discover treasures buried in grief and loss, making love the measure of maturity, uh, breaking the power of the past, and then finally leading out of weakness and vulnerability. And these seven marks form the pillars uh, of the Emotionally Healthy Discipleship book and what it means to actually build this kind of a countercultural church culture. And so, in fact, uh, I'm going to be doing a webinar on June 3rd, uh, if you're hearing this podcast before June 3rd, uh, at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Discovering the EH Discipleship Course, which is one of the, which is one key means for us to bring this experientially into your ministry. Uh, and uh, just go to emotionallyhealthy.org slash discover. And uh, let me invite you to come to that one-hour webinar. Uh, it's free, and I think you'll find it very, very helpful. It will build well on this podcast also. So the issue of culture uh, is so large uh, that I like to compare it to a new operating system for a computer. Now, personal computers run on operating systems. Uh, it's what enables the other software programs to run. And without a, uh, an operating system, really computers aren't very useful. Now, the two most common operating systems, for personal computers at least, are Microsoft Windows and Apple's Mac OS. Uh, now, each system has different processes that control how various software programs will function with the hardware. But each of these inner processes has certain rules and limits. For example, if you download a software application or program from one operating system in a, to a computer that runs the other operating system, uh, the program will not work unless it's adjusted. It's incompatible. So each operating system is different. Now, operating systems are invisible to us when, working on, when we're working on a computer. So uh, whether we're doing email or spreadsheets or word processing, every approach uh, of an operating system, it's, it's invisible to us underneath. Well, same thing with discipleship. Um, there's all kinds of assumptions that we're making as we approach discipleship, whether we're praying or dealing with conflicts or sharing the gospel. Uh, there's an underlying operating system, theologically, that we're coming from. Now, our present discipleship operating system that most of us are familiar with, I will argue, is incompatible with actually facilitating deep transformation in people's lives. But because an operating system is invisible to us, that's the problem. We don't see it. And if we don't see it, we can't understand it. And it doesn't serve us. And we can't change it. 
but because we often have a, a set of core beliefs uh, of how to make disciples and how to develop leaders and that, that are going to impact the world for Christ. And uh, so we think that, you know, church attendance and being in small group and the ministry, giving of your time, talent, and treasures to serve, uh, you know, expect that's going to bring about change in people. And we add programs and fresh approaches to worship and outreach. We, we restudy certain biblical truths, but we rarely consider the limitations of what, what I'm going to call a traditional operating system of discipleship that's so common in our churches. And so I'm introducing here and have been in these podcasts in the, in the previous weeks uh, a new operating system that I'm, I'm simply calling emotionally healthy discipleship, but it's actually about getting people pointed thoroughly and deeply to Jesus by integrating biblical truths that are missing from this traditional operating discipleship model. Things like limits and embracing grief and loss and breaking the power of the past and weakness, vulnerability, etc. And, and integrating loving God, loving ourselves, and loving others in a way that's gets beyond just head knowledge to actually a lived experience and and hopefully slowing us down in this operating system so that we are we are passionate for the person of Jesus and focusing on who we are on the inside, not simply who we are on the outside. So um, and I, I like to compare this bringing a, a church culture revolution uh, or implementing a discipleship that deeply transformed people for the sake of the world is like changing the entire operating system of a computer. I use a Mac. I'm a Mac person. but the, And I've thought about shifting to a PC, uh, but it's a big shift. I got to learn a bunch of more things, and uh, I just, I'm happy with my Mac, okay? And I trust you're happy with whatever operating system you're using. Uh, so this church culture, this church culture revolution is a is a six part vision of a culture that deeply changes lives. Now it's at the end of the EH discipleship book, so you'll see it there in the appendix. Uh, but it's also you can download it for free uh, on our website. Just go to emotionallyhealthy.org/churchculture, and you can download this six part vision. Uh, so what I'd like to do here is is talk about the the six-part vision of a culture, a church culture that deeply changes lives, and then how do you actually begin to bring this into your ministry and church? How do you begin to change that culture? All right, so again, if you don't want to read the book or go to the appendix in Emotionally Healthy Discipleship, just go to our website and get it for free, emotionallyhealthy.org slash churchculture. It's a small little ebook. And again, it's free, and it'll help you just understand what I'm talking about here. So creating a healthy culture is, is is what Jesus did with the 12. I mean, he took 12 uh, disciples, called them by name, but he spent time with them, three years actually, to, to shape them into this new culture, this new family of Jesus. Why? Because he was thinking about the long-term mission of the church, thinking about us 2,000 years later. He understood that they were bringing the chaos of their backgrounds, their cultures, their family of origin, what they'd learned in, in uh, their religious background. And he had to shape them into something radically different. Uh, that's really our task as well, uh, making disciples to build a powerfully new culture in our churches or ministries. So culture, you know, it's hard to define culture. <clears throat> Very interesting. I uh, to begin to read books on, on how do you, what, what is culture and how do you change it? Now, culture is uh, one of the best little definitions I, I've read over the years is it's simply the way we do things around here. Uh, it's, that, it's that imprecise something, that invisible presence or personality of a place that's difficult to describe without it actually experiencing it. Uh, it's a kind of a lived reality, more felt when you're in a place than articulated. So you think of you know certain companies like Google or Apple or IBM. They have distinct cultures. 
Ethnic communities or political groups, countries have cultures, denominations have cultures, parachurch ministries do as well. Every church or ministry or task force and team has a certain culture to it. Uh, it doesn't just happen. It, uh, it has to be created. Uh, it's shaped. It's maintained. And uh, the responsibility of this actually resides in, in the leadership. So I've identified six characteristics or qualities of an emotionally healthy church culture that deeply changes lives. And as I'll explain later, it takes years to build a culture. But let me go through these six characteristics of a church culture revolution uh, and what these each involved, okay? And I'm going to read a paragraph or two from each that actually is found in, in the um, appendix there, but then I'll expound on it, okay? So the first quality of a uh, church culture revolution is quality one is a slow down spirituality. In other words, we slow down our pace to be with Jesus, and that's the source from which all activity flows, uh, in other words, in, in a church culture that deeply changes lives, we create a, a place where people refuse to be hurried and allow hurry to set the pace of their lives and being overloaded. They, they choose to live by rhythms that are slower and more deliberate. They set aside time to immerse themselves in scripture and silence, solitude, foundational practices for communion with Jesus so that their doing for God flows out of their being with him. Uh, and so, as a result, they consistently embrace certain spiritual practices like Sabbath and discernment and cultivating their personal relationship with Jesus, uh, that nobody's living off the spirituality of other people. And uh, so we're learning in that kind of a church culture of a slowdown spirituality from practices that go back to 2,000 years of church history and the global church and uh, very much aware that unless we abide in Jesus, we cannot bear lasting fruit as a community. But this being before you do, it's, it, it's, 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 it's operating out of a place of fullness, a cup that overflows. Uh, but the truth is, in, 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 our, in our church history, especially within, since the Reformation and the history of evangelicalism in our bones, is this do, do something, just do, 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 do. And uh, we like to say, Jesus may be in your heart, but grandpa's in your bones. If you remember that saying? Well, in the bones of the church is overactivity, overdoing. Uh, and in fact, this has been a tension of doing and being uh, throughout church history. And uh, we see it in Moses, Elijah, John the Baptist, Jesus is being out of which a doing flows. And we see it in the early church with the 12 and uh, their priority of being with Jesus. And then we see it in the early church and they developed a catechumenate as, as persecutions were breaking out to build a being with God, a slow down spirituality into the early converts the first 300 years. Uh, doing serious discipleship so that they had enough strength and foundation to sustain persecutions. So the question to ask yourself is to what degree is the culture of your team or ministry or church characterized by a slowdown spirituality? Uh, in other words, ask yourself, in what ways is, is our current culture an asset, helping people to slow down and cultivate a union or abiding in Jesus? Or, or is our culture actually making it harder for people to do so? So that's the first quality, slow down spirituality. The second is integrity and leadership. And that is we don't pretend to be something on the outside that we are not on the inside. The second quality of integrity and leadership is that leaders, whether it's staff or volunteer, we're very intentional about living out of vulnerability and brokenness. We don't engage in pretense or impression management. We, we seek to be the same person in public that we are in private. We're the same person on stage that we are off stage. In fact, we recognize uh, integrity and leadership means we recognize the most difficult task of leadership. The first task of leadership is to lead ourselves. 
so that our, again, our work for God is nourished by a deep inner life with God. That's our greatest gift that we give people. So this ensures that as a leadership, integrity and leadership, that we're not driven by a need for power or approval from others uh, to be popular or be great or be successful. We've rejected those worldly categories and we've embraced the crucified upside down Jesus uh, and we follow him. And so thus we're creating an environment where people are encouraged uh, to ask questions and give feedback and say healthy no's to us uh, as they discern God's will and appropriate limits. So the question to ask yourself when you think about quality too of a healthy culture is, in what ways is the culture I'm building directly and indirectly affirming uh, pretense or, or subtly encouraging impression management? Or in what ways is, is the culture I'm building affirming transparency and encouraging people to live out of their own vulnerability and weakness? So, uh, and then just ask yourself the question, in, in what ways is your own life or leadership uh, tempted? And where are you tempted to skim over truth or to be less than honest about your struggles uh, or pretend to be better than what you really are. So again, the first quality is slow down spirituality of a culture that is, is uh, you know, a church culture revolution. But the second is integrity and leadership. The third quality is a beneath the surface discipleship. A beneath the surface discipleship is the third quality. That is we grow in self-awareness uh, ourselves and our own discipleship because we can't change what we're unaware of. In other words, in a church culture that deeply changes lives, uh, we know that just being active in the church is not going to change people necessarily. Uh, there's a slow, hard work of beneath-the-surface discipleship. So we want to, we, in, a, in this kind of a culture, we're teaching people very intentionally to break free from unhealthy or destructive patterns in their, from their families and their cultures uh, that uh, don't correspond with life in the new family of Jesus. And then we teach people, how do we live in this new family of Jesus? But we're but people understand that their past impacts their present, and they're intentional about identifying and facing those beneath-the-surface issues, those sinful tendencies, maybe those unresolved wounds, those triggers. And, and, and we carefully apply the gospel of grace and the scriptures to every area of people's lives so that they meet Jesus in their losses and, and limits and learn to love like Jesus loves. So, uh, you know people understand that it's not just dying to the obvious sins like lying or coveting, but actually the less obvious ones like defensiveness or detachment, you know, from other people, like not being warm or a lack of vulnerability. Uh, it, it, again, beneath this sort of discipleship gets into things like limits that we can't do it all, like the world tells us. And God says, you know, you can't do it all, that limits protect you so you don't hurt yourself. Uh, they're the way that God gives you direction and keep you grounded and humble and grow in wisdom. Uh, and I like to, you know, I like to say and model that when people say to me, "Oh, Pete, I know you're so busy, but would you be willing to do this, this, or this?" And I just simply say, "I'm not. I, I'm not busy." I, I reply very slowly, "I'm. I'm just limited." And we begin to be thoughtful and and careful to apply some biblical truths in the way that we're discipling people creatively and specifically into their lives on how do I live in this new family of Jesus. So let me ask you, to, to what degree is the culture you're building, again, whether it's your family, your team, your ministry, your church, to what degree is your culture characterized by a beneath-the-surface discipleship uh, and uh, really getting at people's growth and transformation in Jesus? All right, so 
Again, first quality of a, of a church culture that deeply changes lives is a slow-down spirituality. The second is integrity and leadership. The third is beneath-the-surface discipleship. And the fourth is healthy community. Healthy community. And by that quality, we're talking about we're committed to learning tools and practices to love other people like Jesus. In other words, in a church culture that deeply changes lives, people recognize that there's often a disconnect when we claim to love Jesus, but we're still defensive, judgmental, unapproachable, or unsafe. In other words, we leaders train and teach people, how do I do relationships like Jesus? Uh, and that includes things like, how do I speak clearly, respectfully, and honestly? How do I listen? How do I clarify expectations? How do I confront elephants in the room, such as, how do I, do dirty, how do I not engage in dirty fighting? And how do I master clean fighting and negotiate conflicts differently? And so part of living in a healthy community is we, we, people learn to respect differences or different viewpoints and choices and people's spiritual journeys, which all are different. We move at different paces and we allow folks to take responsibility for their lives without blaming them or over-functioning for them or shaming. And we connect with each other in a healthy community out of our weaknesses and our vulnerabilities. And thus we offer grace to each other and to the world. But we look for those discipleship moments where uh, we, we can intervene the way people are, are doing relationships and break unhealthy patterns and, and, and teach them how to do life in the new family of Jesus. I think of, you know, when I observe someone doing mind reading, for example, and I just saw someone the other day doing it, and I said, hey, hey, there's another way to do that versus mind reading what you think that person's thinking. And I helped they not learn the skill in the Emotionally Healthy Relationships course yet, stop mind reading. They were a pastor. They'd been in part one of the spirituality course, but they'd not been in the relationships course yet. And and uh, so I just taught them the skill real quickly and, 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 and uh, made them go to the person directly. They wanted me to go with them. And I said, there's no need to. You, you break that pattern. They were in their late 60s. Uh, but I said, this is your moment uh, to begin to do relationships and community differently. And I had to do it with a fellow pastor. Uh, that's how we like to say that clear theology plus new skills plus new language plus intentional follow-up equals a transformed community. And again, that's that was a, an application of the Emotionally Healthy Relationships course where we actually develop some new language for a new culture uh, as we offer a gift to the world as becoming, by God's grace, the most loving people on the face of the earth. So the fifth quality. Now we've talked about first quality of a, a church culture that's revolutionary or deeply changes lives is a slow down spirituality, integrity and leadership, beneath the surface discipleship, healthy community, Fifthly is passionate marriages and singleness. Passionate marriages and singleness. And uh, in other words, we model God's passionate love for the world by living out of a marriage and singleness that functions actually as a sign and wonder. In other words, we're not just committed to Jesus and trying to be stable. We're actually maturing to a place where our singleness and our marriage or our marriages are, are, are a sign and wonder, a living sign and wonder that give people a taste of heaven in different ways. Again, the lame walk, the blind see, the dead are raised in Jesus. Those are all uh, moments of the kingdom of God breaking in. They're signs and wonders. Well, in the same way, uh, marriage uh, or singleness is meant to be a sign and wonder, something sacramental that points to Jesus. And uh, and then people who live out of that kind of a vision of our, of our secondary vocation as singles or married, we actually teach people that. Um, we don't use people. We, we teach people how to love people, whether it's their spouse or their close friends. But engaging in free, life-giving relationships 
recognizing that their oneness with Jesus is closely related to their oneness with their spouses or their close community as singles. John 15, I abide in me as I abide in you, Jesus says, you know, and same way that if you're married, I want to abide in jury. Just a sign and wonder. Uh, I don't separate that from my abiding in Jesus. And so uh, the question is, to what degree is your culture affirming even marriage and singleness as vocations, as ways of modeling God's passionate love for the world? And what's different about the way your culture equips married singles and adults to live out their respective vocations than the world does? Um, and how does that play out, for example, even in your leadership? And to what degree are you spending time and energy uh, so that your marriage or your singleness uh, not is your really your first priority as a leader? Great questions. You know, to what degree is your culture characterized by passionate marriages and marriages and singleness that points to Christ? All right. Now, the final uh, quality of a culture that deeply changes lives, that that's really revolutionary for the 21st century, is that every person understands they're in full-time ministry. Quality six is every person in full-time ministry. In other words, we commission every believer to walk in the authority of Jesus at their work, paid or unpaid, in their daily life. In other words, we don't have a compartmentalized spirituality of full-time Christian workers who are pastors and missionaries and uh, etc., but every person's in full-time ministry. Uh, whether they're uh, paid or unpaid, whether they're pastors, leaders, or they're social workers or doctors or uh, sanitation workers. Uh, in, in a church culture that changes lives deeply, there are no spectators and consumers. Uh, every believer is called to full-time ministry in Jesus till the day they die. And so every sphere of daily activity, paid or unpaid work or retirement, is a field of ministry. Uh, and uh, it's an act of worship. And we bring, we go into the world and we bring order out of chaos as we build God's kingdom. And so the church, we're involved uh, in equipping people into the workplace to integrate new skills that they're learning in the church about loving well and that reflect the generosity of God and going into the workplace. And that's chaotic. Uh, and again, they may, may be unpaid work. You may be a dad at home or a mom at home, but you're creating and shaping something beautiful for Christ at your workplace during the day uh, and, and hopefully engaging in the slow work of making disciples. We're workers just like God is, and we bear witness to the kingdom of God that's broken into the world in Jesus. Uh, and we work for the human beings to be flourishing. And so the question is, as you think about your own culture you're building, to what degree does every person under your leadership, see themselves as in full-time ministry for Christ? Or to what degree would you characterize people under, think that, that they compartmentalize work, their work and spirituality? So again, those six qualities of a emotionally healthy church culture, uh, think about that, okay? Where you are right now and what you're doing and building. One, slow down spirituality. Two, integrity and leadership. Three, beneath the surface discipleship. Four, healthy community. Five, passionate marriages and singleness. And sixth, every person's in full-time ministry. So to, to, to implement this kind of a new, it's a new operating system, uh, you understand this is a long-term vision for the church, uh, that we're making actually disciples for the sake of the world, that we're our scoreboard for success. We're not, we're not scoring success on counting numbers, but we're actually measuring deep transformation with a long-term vision of multiplying disciples who make disciples. Uh, multi-generationally. We're, we're, we're about the three and the 12. We're, 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 we're in people's lives. We're not simply doing programs. 
or activities externally were actually, Jesus had the 12, he had the three, the 12, the 70, uh, and were very intentional about investing in people for the future of the mission of Jesus. I love what Bonhoeffer wrote years ago in World War II Germany. He said, Christianity without the living Christ is inevitably Christianity without discipleship. And Christianity without discipleship is always Christianity without Christ. This isn't a quick fix program. In fact, this is a paradigm shift, a biblical paradigm shift that takes, I like to say, it takes seven to 10 years to integrate into a church. Yeah, yeah, seven to 10 years. It's that takes that long to shift a culture. Now, it's very powerful as people begin to enter into this, they, they experience powerful, liberating shifts very quickly. But this can't be rushed. Uh, the kingdom of God is always a mustard seed. It, it grows slowly, almost imperceptibly. And understand people that are in our on our teams and in our churches, they have been formed poorly uh, and, in a sense, malformed by the forces of Western culture. Bigger is better and faster. Their families of origin and and their uh, their cultures, their ethnicities, their races. Uh, and this means that all this has to be transformed. There's so much to unlearn, and then there's so much to learn. And we see how slow this is in the in Jesus' work with the twelve. Uh, you know, I've just been in my own time this morning in my devotional time. I've been I've been meditating uh, over and over again in math in Mark chapters eight, nine, and ten, as Jesus is in, is is working with the twelve, inviting them to lose their lives for Him in the gospel so that they might save their lives. And it's just, they're, they're, they're so slow to understand. They've got Jesus in, they got Jesus in categories and their understanding of God in certain categories that they keep putting into Jesus' words into their own categories and they don't get it. And we see Jesus saying to them over and over again, don't you understand? Can't you see? Can't you hear? Don't you remember the lesson of the loaves? And uh, they just can't get it. And that's why Peter ends up rebuking Jesus uh, when he says, when Jesus tells them he's going to go to the cross, and Jesus keeps talking about crucifixion, uh, and they keep thinking about who's the greatest. Even as they go to the as they get to the cross, Jesus goes to the cross. They're talking about and they're arguing about who is the greatest. The culture I'm talking about here, friends, is a Copernican revolution. It's a it's a paradigm shift that changes everything in the way we're thinking about church and discipleship. And so it begins from the inside out. It begins with you. Uh, your life, we can't we, we can't give what we don't possess. Those three great sayings: you cannot you cannot give what you do not possess. You can only give what you do possess. Who you are is more important than what you do, and the state you are in is the state you give to others. And so, the most loving thing that you can do, the most loving thing that I can do, uh, is to invest in my own discipleship. It's shifting my priorities to make sure that first I'm being with Jesus, I'm being with myself. And I'm, and I'm living and leading out of a cup that overflows. And that's the most loving thing I can do for the church. Uh, so it begins with you and you living this. And then secondly, your team, uh, the few. You're the guardian of the values of the culture. Um, uh, I used to expect people to just, when they come to my team, because they were gifted in areas and maybe they could do the role and assert to a certain level. But I realize it's their being that's most important. And thus I got into discipleship like I'm here today, years late, decades later. And just like Jesus invested in the few, the 12, the core, and shaped them into a new culture that could thus inform the early church, the emerging church, and here we are thousands of years later, this took a lot 
of time. And so every time we purposefully and thoughtfully mentor someone in the midst of stresses and conflicts, we are raising the maturity level of the whole ministry and the wider culture of the church. And then, you bring, of course, you're bringing it to your wide ministry in the church as a whole. And that's the place of the Emotionally Healthy Discipleship Course, Part 1 and 2. And that's been our means to bring the culture to a church and ministry. Uh, again, you can't read this in a book. It's got to be experienced. It's got to be lived. And that's what Jesus did with the 12. He didn't sit them down in the classroom uh, and have them just read a book. He had them live it. Uh, and he taught in process. And so the goal of the discipleship course, whether it's Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, uh, which focuses on your relationship with Jesus uh, in that eight-week course, or the Emotionally Healthy Relationships course, which focuses on skills to transform the way we relate to people, uh, we're talking about introducing a radically different culture. But it's, let me say this, it's just an introduction. So there's just two conditions before you do anything with that course, please. One is do not bring it to your ministry until one, you have been trained first. Uh, in how to do it. Uh, that's number one. And then secondly, you begin to live it before you teach it. Okay, those are our two conditions. Please do not bring material into the church or ministry that you are not living. Uh, we do not need new programs in the church. Programs are burnt, okay? They're, it's life that people need, but we need some kind of a structure and a programmatic element uh, to bring culture change. And so that's thus we ended up developing the core. So Please, again, two things. One, you want to get trained first. And secondly, you want to uh, make sure you're living a bit of it. So again, let me invite you to come to that uh, Discover the EH Discipleship course webinar uh, in a few weeks on June 3rd. Just go to emotionallyhealthy.org slash discover. That's emotionallyhealthy.org slash discover. Uh, and if you're listening to this after June 3rd, 2021, that's fine. Um, just go to our website. You'll find some great uh, materials and insights of how do I begin to get trained in this course for myself and for others. And so, again, um, everybody, it's been such a joy to be with you. And I, I this 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 podcast is, in my humble opinion, one of the most important podcasts of all because it's about our vision. We want friends in the church, in the church, and the world desperately needs a church culture. Uh, that we, our churches and our ministries reflect the glory, the beauty, their signs and wonders that point to Christ. And uh, our role as leaders is to get a vision, a clear vision of that culture, and begin to work slowly towards that uh, for the sake of Christ and his mission. So thank you so much for being with me today and with us. And I pray God's blessing on you. Have a great, great day. <music>